You're listening to How She Creates. I'm your host, Lauren Hooper. This podcast is for the curious, the wanderer and the wanderers, the playful and the joyful. Every week, we're going to explore how to design a life full of creativity and whimsy. Now let's get curious and go explore something. Hi friend, just popping in really quick to let you know that I have just released today the first spots for my next Radiant Art Retreat, which is going to be in June back in Florala, Alabama, right on the lake at the historic Camilla Palms Plantation. And we are going to be diving into infusing our artwork with ourself. And we are going to be learning the skills of self-portraiture and portrait painting, but whimsically. I am really thrilled about this retreat. It's going to be really fun. And the special thing about this one is it's going to be really short. Not really short. You know, we're still going to be together for four days, but it's going to be a shorter uh, mini version of a long retreat. So if you don't have a ton of vacation time, you don't have a ton of time, you're able to travel you can get here and we are going to do a ton of amazing stuff and then you're going to get home and you're not going to have to miss that much time away from your family and your responsibilities and work or whatever it is. So I designed this retreat for you if you are like, I really want to come but I just can't take an entire week. Uh, I wanted you to be able to come and experience this amazing time together and that also means the price is much lower for this event. So the spots are opening up today and I have a feeling definitely the private rooms are always going to go fast um, but I would love to have you there. You can see all the information at lauren-likes.com retreat and of course my newsletter is getting first dibs so go to lauren-likes.com newsletter and sign up there and you will get first dibs on the retreat. Um, it is opening at uh, 8 a.m on the west coast and i think 2 p.m on the east coast or something like that you guys know time zones are so confusing and difficult especially because i'm in a totally different one um but sign up and the retreat page will be live um at that time but like i said the newsletter is getting first dibs so go jump on that and i hope to see you in june in alabama for a radiant art retreat now enjoy today's show welcome to another episode of how she creates Today, we are diving into a really meaty topic for creatives. We are going to be talking about Instagram, how it's great for our creativity, how it's terrible for our creativity. And I have an Instagram creativity guru here with you today to share all of her wisdom. And I am so thrilled for you guys to meet Sarah Tasker of Me and Orla. Sarah, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I am so thrilled. You have been one of my Instagram North Stars for so long, and you've written a book on Instagram. You teach about how to use Instagram as a creative, and you just you use it really well. And I'm just really excited to pick your brain today and have you share some about how you're using Instagram to boost your creativity instead of sucking the life out of it, which I know a lot of us can feel sometimes. Um, so if you would give us kind of the quick intro to who you are, that would be wonderful. Yeah, so I'm Sarah Tasker. I live here in Yorkshire in the UK. 
And my business started when I was on maternity leave with my little girl, Orla. So I started an Instagram account. I called it me and Orla very originally and really quickly found not only did I love it, but I was really good at it too. And more and more people wanted to know how I was using it. My following was growing really quickly. So really organically from there, I started to teach people how I was using Instagram. And gradually over the course of the last six years, that has evolved to be my full-time job. It's also my husband's full-time job now. And we have a whole range of classes. I have a podcast. I have a book, like you mentioned, all really tackling this subject of creativity and social media and how we can get our stories out into the world and it's heavily influenced a lot of it by my story which is really I you know I was working a typical nine-to-five job I was in the NHS and I didn't feel like creativity was even a label I could apply to my hobbies let alone to my life so in everything I teach really there's that thread of how can we reconnect with who we really are who would we be if we weren't trying to please everyone else around us and how can we live a creative life Beautiful. And I think that's why so many people turn to Instagram is they have this creative spark, this idea. They want to share that. They want to find, you know, tools to help them grow their creativity. And then we can kind of get bogged down by the likes and the comments and ads and all of these different things that are going on. And and I want us to refocus that back to exactly what you're saying of how can we share our story? How can we use it to bolster our creativity instead of hinder it. Uh, Would you share with us what your form of creativity is? What would you say is your one thing that you love to do? So if anything, I would probably identify myself mostly as a writer, which surprises a lot of people because I'm known mainly as a photographer and then kind of as a teacher and educator. Um, But writing was my first love. And in that kind of Enid Blyton way where I grew up thinking everyone has one talent and you have to pick writing was the one for me. Um, And I've kind of broadened that out over the years now to kind of see that actually, I think my real creativity is storytelling. And that can come in lots of different forms. It can be writing, but it can be a picture. It can be a few Instagram stories. It can even be a tweet. It's all about getting something that's in your head and in your heart out onto the page and into someone else's mind. Oh, that is so fun. Can you tell us, kind of weave the thread for us through your life of where you figured out you were creative, how did you fall in love with it, and what brought you to where you are now with writing and storytelling? So, um, good question. As a kid, um, like primary school age, I would say I was super creative and I think that was acknowledged. I was always writing. The teachers used to have to give me like empty exercise books to take home because I had so many stories. I just wanted to write down and and show to them. Um, but then by the time I reached secondary school, there was no space for that. And I know this is such a common story that basically if your creativity doesn't conform to a couple of very narrow options that are presented in the typical high school system, then there's really no space for you and you're kind of shunted into the more typical like science type subjects. So I wasn't an artist in the typical sense and I didn't have a lot of creative confidence. And so that was really where for me, the creative journey ended for quite a long time. I went to university, I studied linguistics, which is a very technical subject. I got a job in speech therapy where I did occasional bits of kind of laminating and pictures, but it was mainly again, very technical. And creativity kept bubbling up. It kept finding a way to present itself in my life. So I would blog and I would take pictures and I would create wacky outfits out of all sorts of different things. And I was constantly 
seeking creativity, but also fighting myself and trying to kind of push it back down like a game of whack-a-mole. Like I just kept shoving the creativity back down. And it was really only having that time on maternity leave, having nothing else I was supposed to do except be with this baby who just wanted to lie on my chest asleep. That was the thing that gave me permission to go, well, actually, maybe maybe now, maybe I can do something creative. And I had the excuse in my head of, I was taking these pictures for her. I was documenting her first year of her life. And somehow that was enough permission for me to trust myself and to give it a proper go. And that that was the start of everything. And so how do you feel like you found your thing? Um, how did you know that sharing captions and photos and photos on Instagram was going to be your creative outlet? Or is that what you would say your outlet is? I guess I think it changes all the time. And I think that's healthy. Um, It resonated so well with me because it just suits me. Like I'm an introvert. I'm somebody who's happiest to sit at home on the sofa. But with my phone in my hand, I could reach out and still have that connection and that community I was really desperate for. You know, at home with a baby, it can be really lonely. And also I had just enough constraint. So my plan was I was only going to take pictures with my iPhone. That was my plan for a 365 project, a whole year of iPhone photos, one photo a day of my daughter's life. And something about that was really freeing. I think we think constraint is is going to trap us and going to hold us back. But actually, as soon as you give yourself parameters to create within, then all of the ideas started to bubble up. And I had so much freedom to create anything I wanted, as long as I could take a picture of it with my phone. Oh, I I love that point that you made that a big part of your creativity was the connection and the sharing part. Uh, Because a lot of us, you know, we just want to like paint a picture and then keep it to ourselves and it's it's fine. It's fine that way, of course. Um, But for you, it was that putting it out in the world and, and seeing the connection that it brought. That is so... I think that's also so telling for so many of us and it's why we go to Instagram is so that we can have that connection and have other people see what we're creating and and grow our ideas from there. How do you use Instagram to grow ideas? Yeah, I think that's a really key point, actually, that you've just touched on. It gets frowned on a lot, doesn't it? This idea of us sharing for that reciprocal communication, like it's called validation and people think that it's people doing anything just for likes. But actually, a lot of the time to grow our creativity, we need feedback. And in the same way that an art teacher might say, this is good, have you thought about trying something else? Instagram for me, right from the start has been a place to experiment and to get feedback and to understand better how the things I create are perceived in the rest of the world and then play around with that. So in the early days of Instagram, it was fantastic for this because you could literally post a picture and the likes and the comments were a direct reflection on how many people it resonated with, which was an amazing, for a storyteller, for someone who wants to connect with people, it was an amazing resource because you could really look at that and go, huh, that one didn't sink home or this one really exploded. And I had no idea everyone else was dealing with this or was feeling this way. Now, the thing is now, in terms of Instagram, it's less of that. And I think one of the mistakes a lot of us make is we still assume it is that direct feedback so that if something we share that we care really deeply about doesn't get the same response as we're expecting, we take that to mean that our work's not good, that people aren't connecting with what we're doing. But actually, all of the algorithms, all of the way Instagram is curating its content now and choosing who sees what means that that process is really interrupted. 
And it's kind of a mistake now to fall back on that as one of your main sources of kind of user feedback. That is such an important point because I think that a lot of the people listening, you know, this is not a business podcast. You know, I didn't have you on here to teach us the, you know, business of Instagram, but we are all privy or prey to the Instagram algorithm. Mm -hmm. Even if you only have 10 followers and you only follow 10 people, you still can't guarantee that those people are going to see your post and, and be able to connect with you on that thing. And so even if you're not using Instagram to grow your art business per se, as I am, or you are, um, your work is still getting caught up in that Instagram business, business algorithm, just like me and Sarah are. And so you have to remember exactly what you just said is that that is not a direct correlation to how good your work is and how much people love you and want to connect with you. Absolutely. And because for anything now to gain real traction on Instagram, it kind of needs to have mass or mainstream appeal. It needs to appeal to an awful lot of people. And we know that a lot of creativity and a lot of artwork doesn't. And that's why it's so special, because it connects with the right people in the right niche and not everybody else. Or maybe it only resonates with you. And that's all it needs to do. So I think we have to be super careful. Instagram is a great place for that connection. And for me, it's such an intent such an essential part of everything I do but we also have to kind of keep a very loose grip on it and and not let it come to define how we feel about our work yeah and how do you do that do you have any tips or things that you walk yourself through when those posts do well when you get negative comments or when they don't or vice versa what what do you think I think the really important thing to do is to stay mindful whenever you're using the app. So, I mean, mindful has become one of those words that feels like it's being overused, but what it's really about for me is watching my thinking, watching what my brain is doing and just staying curious. So instead of being caught up in it, when your brain starts to go, this is underperforming, I think it's rubbish, everyone hates it, kind of catching yourself and going, huh, how funny that my brain thinks that this post getting a fewer likes than another one means everybody hates me. How how funny is that? And as soon as you get that kind of zoomed out perspective on what your brain is doing, it's so much easier not to live in the kind of stories it's weaving in the stories that it's telling you. One of the questions I always ask whenever I teach Instagram right at the beginning is what would you create if you couldn't see the numbers? Because that's what it's really about. Like if you were free to create anything and share it with the world and be detached from how it was received, what would you share? And then our, our mission really is to get as close to that as possible. Yeah. So, okay. So let's say we're looking for inspiration on Instagram. You know, we've come here, we know the thing we want to create. We know kind of the community we want to be in. How do you use Instagram to bolster your creativity? So again, it's one of those kind of careful lines to tread. Um, Instagram can be a huge source of inspiration, but it can very quickly also feel overwhelming. The vast majority of content you see on there is so professional. So if you're just starting out, if you're just dabbling, or if you don't consider yourself to be of that level, it can really feel quite intimidating, quite a scary place to put things out. So it's about being really intentional about what you seek out and curating your own grid, your own follower, sorry, your own follower. Yeah. <laughs> Creating your own home feed of people you follow so that what you're seeing is actually valuable and useful to you. And this is where the algorithms actually do support you because the more you repeat 
the right processes, the more it picks up on what it is you're interested in and shows you more and more like it. Um, sometimes I think starting on Instagram isn't the best place. So if you're really not sure, I might quite often go to Pinterest and find creators via Pinterest and then head over to their Instagram and follow them that way. Because I think Instagram can be so noisy and it's so easy to be blown off path, especially if you're seeking inspiration. There's a fine line, isn't there, between being inspired and either being like completely overwhelmed or feeling like you're starting to be influenced by what other people are creating. So for me, somewhere like Pinterest or Tumblr can be a slightly less noisy place because it's not got quite as much content on it from an Instagram perspective. And picking and choosing things from there and then following those kind of breadcrumb trails back to Instagram so that you're finding people that aren't necessarily coming up immediately on search. That is so smart. I've never thought of kind of reverse engineering the search because, you know, I go to Instagram and then I'll click over to someone's blog or profile from there. Um, but to do that backwards, you know, who am I already tuning into in other places? And then can I follow them on Instagram? That is very smart. And it's kind of fascinating because you'll find someone and you have none of those Instagram preconceptions. So you've already consumed their work. You've already connected with their work. And then you head to their page and they have 600 followers. And in your head, mm -hmm. they were this amazing person who's taught you so much. And yet, I think if, you, if you'd gone straight to their page and maybe seen a smaller follower number, a lot of us have an unconscious kind of bias where we immediately go, oh, they can't teach me anything because they've only got 600 followers or whatever. Um, whereas if you, if you actually let the work speak for itself, then it's much easier to take their profile at face value, which is what it should all be about anyway. Yes, I... Yeah, I am definitely guilty of looking at someone's numbers and being like, oh, but I also can look at someone's numbers and say, okay, they only have 600 followers and their entire feed is just photos of their art. So clearly they're not, you know, doing ads or sponsorships or they're literally just making art and sharing it. And that's the most pure thing that I came here to find is collage inspiration um so it definitely works both ways yes absolutely and actually normally when you find someone who's not playing the game that way you know that they're more in tune with exactly that question from before of what do you want to create for yourself and finding a way to fill your feed with more people who are just living in that kind of integrity with their art can be a really powerful thing to soak in mm -hmm. okay I have to ask you this question do you have a magic number of people you follow on Instagram? No, I don't. I know a lot of people do, don't they? Like I won't go past mm -hmm. 500 or I won't go past 1,000. No, I absolutely don't because new people are joining all the time and new people are making amazing stuff all the time. And I just think that's the point of life, isn't it? It's to expand and to grow and to increase our circles of overlap, not, not to kind of falsely limit them. Um, because it's surely just a vanity metric as well. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, I was at an art group with someone recently and she was saying, you know, some people just scroll and scroll and scroll and their feed never ends. And, and, and I don't want that. And I was like, huh, you don't want to look at my Instagram then. <laughs> um, and that's fantastic. You know, when your inbox is empty, you can like click over and be done in just a second when you only have one email and Instagram, you know, is the same way. If you only follow five people, you can quickly go through the, their five posts for the day and be done. But you're right. I mean, I do enjoy that I can sit and scroll and scroll and scroll and find something new and that I didn't expect and um, go in a different direction than maybe I thought. And I think it's the surprise 
you know, of having that kind of looser following people that I follow is I just never know what I'm going to see when I log in. It could be someone's breakfast or it could be some crazy place they traveled that I've never heard of that I want to add to my list or some really cool new art they're experimenting with that I now want to try. And I like that element of surprise that a bigger following has. I'm with you. And there's sort of a serendipity to it. I don't know if you find this, but sometimes Mm -hmm. what you just need right then will just appear for you on your home feed. Like the quote that's just going to define your day or someone who's doing something that you've been struggling with. Um, And I think that that's the magic kind of alchemy of collecting these people who see the world like you do or have something to offer. Yes. Yes. Um, So you do a lot of creative challenges that help help you create more instead of scroll more. Can you share about some of the ways that you focus on creating over scrolling? I think Instagram is such a platform about giving back and it's about the value you create on your page. So for me, it always starts with the content creation. Um, And I like extending that to other people because I think when we have those slightly more narrow parameters to create within, like I mentioned earlier, all of a sudden, a lot of our procrastination, a lot of the blocks, a lot of the self-doubt that's getting in the way kind of clears off a little bit and we're able to create things more easily. So I've done challenges around talking to the camera, getting people out of their comfort zone with that. Um, My friend Xanthi and I did a hooray for play challenge where it was literally just encouraging people to play around with different themes each week. And I send out a hashtag newsletter each month, which always has a few kind of challenge-based hashtags that people are running. So really specific themes like people saying winter outdoor portraits. And as soon as someone says those kind of words to you, like winter outdoor portraits, your brain goes to all the possibilities of what you can create and all the ways that you can start making something that doesn't already exist in the world and then adding that value back to your audience who have invested in following you. Um, as opposed to when we just go into the app and we scroll and we're like, I need to take a picture, I need to post something, I need to put something up. All you see is what everyone else is doing and there's so many possibilities. It's too broad, it's too open, and it's very difficult to get started. Yes, I I love that example of using the hashtags and challenges that other people are doing to encourage your creativity and help give you some direction in what you're creating. I love participating in Instagram challenges, not only for the connection and the community, but for how it pushes me out of my comfort zone, because I would never think of taking portraits outside in the wintertime. But now I'm like, huh, maybe I could try that. Um, And it just pushes me in so many new directions. and, And that's a really awesome way to use it productively. Yes, because it keeps you growing, it keeps you in momentum, and it's kind of risk-free because if you went out to do that portrait and you weren't happy with the result or it was a complete disaster, you've still got that story to tell. You can still share with your audience on your followers if you want, like, this is what happens when a photo doesn't go to plan. But you still also got out the house, you played around, you probably used your camera in a way you've not used before. So it's all learning. I'm a big believer in that we're either like winning or we're learning. And either way, every experience is super valuable. What is the ratio of how much work you share versus how much work you create? So it's a, that's a really good question. Um, at the moment, I am not sharing directly on Instagram quite a lot of what I'm creating and it's it's kind of staying as my own. And I think that that can be really important too. So just like there are elements of our lives, there are elements of our thoughts that we don't 
want to share to the whole wider world. Sometimes it's parts of our creativity that we just want to keep to ourselves for a little while. So I'm still taking pictures at the same volume I always do, did. But right now I'm not necessarily feeling like I need to share them anywhere. Um, And I find that really goes in kind of an ebb and flow pattern for me. Like sometimes I'll be making something and feel like it has real value and it's worth taking up space on people's home feed to share it. And sometimes I'll create something and and it just intrinsically feels like it's, it's just for me. Or maybe I'll put it on a blog post or somewhere, but it's not ready for me to put it out to the wider audience that I have on Instagram. Yeah. And I think it's really important to also know when we're creating work for Instagram versus for ourselves. Yeah. And that's the line. That's so true. And actually I find now I do create quite differently when I'm creating with Instagram in mind to when I create Mm -hmm. for myself, which is not something I necessarily think everyone should or needs to do. Um, Mm -hmm. But obviously because I teach Instagram, sometimes I like my images to be kind of um, reflective of the strategies that I talk about with people who are looking to to use Instagram in that more strategic way. Um, and so the pictures I take for myself are a lot, a lot more soft, a lot more organic, whereas a lot of the pictures I end up putting to Instagram are sort of slightly more bold, slightly more minimal. Maybe they have more of a kind of, I guess they have higher impact um, mm-hmm. because it is a platform where the higher the impact, the more you're going to stand out because that scrolling behavior and the fact that you're competing with so much of the content means it's very easy to get overlooked with the more gentle, the more think kind of the the pieces that need a bit more thinking. Yeah. And how do you, how do you balance that out? You know, when you're scrolling and there are certain people who I follow who post just crazy long captions, but they're very thoughtful. They're very in-depth. And I want to like get a cup of tea and sit and read and think and maybe even like do some journaling um, versus, you know, people who just have emojis in the comments, which there's nothing better or worse about either. Um, But do you experience that? How do you kind of balance those two things out? With my own content, do you mean? Or when you're scrolling? Um, I think it's, well, I, I think there's a couple of things. So people will tend to be drawn to the content that resonates and works best for them. And those are the posts that you will start to see more and more of. So if you stop and pause and read the longer captions, Instagram's going to know that it's okay to show you more longer captions and that you're someone who has more of an attention span for that kind of thing within the app. Um, but there definitely is kind of a bit of a push-pull between it because it's very easy to be scrolling through your feed think oh I've not got time to read that right now so you'll come back to it which we never do and then you see the one with the three emojis and it's very easy to just send a quick comment and so it starts to kind of create these uneven patterns of engagement which then kind of programs our algorithm to show us unbalanced versions of what we like and there's not really any simple answer to that except going back to that whole mindful piece so knowing when you pick up your phone how long you want to spend on it and what kind of content you want to be engaging with and just trying to watch your brain, watch what it does. Because often, I don't know if this happens to other people, but I'll find myself falling down a bit of a rabbit hole from Explore and watching like eyebrow tutorials or slime <laughs> videos. Like I have, I had no intention of looking at them. They're not even really things that are very interesting to me, but they're interesting to that really primitive instinctive part of my brain that gets in there first. So being able to kind of go back to that prefrontal cortex response and be like, hold on, why am I here? Like, what is it I actually want to get out of this? And being really intentional. Um, and I think it gets 
easier with practice. I think that's a really great tip of what you said is when we pick up our phone, knowing, you know, are we going to be really mindful or are we just kind of scrolling to pass the time? And is that going to mess up our feed? You know, do we want those more thoughtful, long form quotes and and kind of mini articles? And I think that's really a really good reminder for me that if I want Instagram to know me well enough, then I can't pick it up mindlessly. Yeah. And so it's kind of quite a good reinforcement for encouraging us to use it in that mindful way. Um, not that there's anything wrong with using it mindlessly as well. If that's the role Instagram plays for you, you know, it's something mm-hmm. you just do well, like the baby cries and you just need something to make it feel a little bit easier. Absolutely go ahead. But like knowing before you go in what your intentions are. And sometimes I'll even set a timer on my phone for like 10, 15 minutes, just so it interrupts that flow and and kind of brings you back to yourself and you go, oh yeah, hang on. I, I only wanted to spend 15 minutes here. Yeah. I, I am always amazed when I look up at the time and I have no idea how I have been on Instagram for that long. And I don't even know what I just saw. Um, Okay. So let's say we have our feed set up really mindfully and we're using Instagram. Well, you know, it's boosting our creativity. Um, how are you careful when you are following so many inspiring people who are doing so many cool things that encourage you to be more creative? How do you protect yourself when it comes to copying comparison, using Instagram to procrastinate because someone else's work is better than yours? How do you kind of deal with those negative or overwhelming emotions that come with the good part of Instagram. This is so huge, isn't it? And I think that this is actually the role Instagram kind of plays in most of our lives if we go in there on autopilot and don't take that mindful stance about it. Sooner or later, you are going to come across some of these emotions. So a few of the things that really help me stay kind of tethered to myself are that element of creating away from Instagram. So getting inspiration from places that are not in that app. So it doesn't feel like that's the whole world and there's nothing else outside of it. So that might be Pinterest or Tumblr. It might be magazines. So many of my picture ideas come to me as I'm driving and listening to music, like the words and songs turn into pictures in my head. Whatever it is for you that kind of feeds your creativity, don't outsource that to Instagram and to what other people are doing. Um, there's a strange thing within Instagram as well of like a zeitgeist where I think that's the right word, where you can create something and feel like it's completely originally your own idea. And then a day or so later, you discover that someone else posted a picture that was really super similar and you liked it. So you must have seen it. And I've had these conversations with so many people where this has happened. So I think it is being aware that everything you're seeing, you're scrolling, is kind of soaking in whether you're doing it consciously or not. And when you know that, then it becomes really important to think about what what you're putting into your mind and how you're feeding your creativity. Um, I've had so many instances of kind of feeling that push-pull of like someone's copying me or it feels like they're treading on my territory. And those things used to send me spiraling so hard. And the things that I've learned from that, if I'm being really honest, number one is that I need to step back when I feel that way and give myself time because once my emotions settle down, usually I can see it a bit more clearly. Um, And number two, if I can approach it with love and compassion instead, normally I can see that actually this is just them being influenced by my work or appreciating my work and turning into their own thing. And I, I think the thing with copying is 
it's always just someone's step on the path to finding themselves. So as uncomfortable as it can feel to be copied, as unfair as it can feel, if you can stay in that place of compassion and love for them, then you will eventually see them come out the other side and be creating the thing that is entirely their own. Yeah. I think that's that's really important to remember at no matter what stage of our creativity that we're in, we're kind of always semi-copying or being copied. And, you know, they say flatter uh, imitations, the greatest form of flattery. Um, and I've seen that go really negatively mm-hmm. um, between people on Instagram. And then it kind of becomes like a public showdown yeah. and it just, just all this awkwardness. So messy. Um, and what's really interesting, I think, is if you go and do like a, an art degree, most of the time they will start you off by copying other people's mm-hmm. work. Like that is an accepted mm-hmm. technique for learning. So of course that's a technique that people are going to use on a platform like Instagram too. Like that is how as humans we learn, we see what's been done before. We break it apart by doing it ourselves and putting it back together. And then we go on to creating our own thing. So Yeah, I've had to really kind of school myself to appreciate those things. And sometimes it still doesn't come naturally. But I think it is a conversation that needs to be being had kind of more broadly than just within the art world. Yeah. And, you know, there's always a difference. And I've had like spam bots make copy accounts of me, you know, and and I've obviously have those deleted. Um, but yeah, and I, I just remember that we're putting our work out there to inspire other people. And, you know, if people are taking that and using it in their artwork, we, we should be encouraged that that's yes. the community part. And especially if they're probably tagging you in it, um, you know, I always try and lean into that side of it. I think the other side of it as well is if you find yourself being heavily inspired by somebody. And again, I think most of us, if we're honest, have been there. Like you find mm-hmm. someone and you become obsessed with their work. You can make it instantly okay by just giving them that due credit. Like I, the difference between someone copying your photo and pretending it's their own and copying your photo and saying, I had to go at creating this picture that so-and-so took is so huge in how it makes everybody feel. And it makes you feel better too, because you don't feel like you're trying to mislead anybody. Yes. Yes. And I, and I think it doesn't matter also the size of the account, you know, it doesn't have to be like a famous Instagram art teacher. It can just be some really cool person who has 300 followers who makes cool art. That's just as flattering. Sorry. I I would say maybe those are the people that get copied the most um, because it feels safe. Like, so uh, there's a lot of people Mm. who have a big following who that is their kind of model. They find people who are making amazing things that don't have a big following and rip them off. So yeah, like giving people credit is so important. And just because someone has 300 followers doesn't mean that they don't have 300 super passionate fans who are going to call you out if you mess about with that. Yes. Yes. I, yeah. Instagram is, um, very interesting how loyal the communities are. (laughs) I follow some bigger accounts and people have made negative comments on it. And I'm like, Oh, just wait, her people are not going to stand for that. (laughs) Um, and it, it is, it's like, you know, it's like your best friends who's going to step in and tell, you know, that jerk not to talk to you like that, but online. It's kind of beautiful, isn't it? And I have to say, like, for me, when I was starting out, you know, I mentioned I, I didn't have a lot of self-belief. I didn't really see myself as a creative. And I, I'd taken pictures for quite a while, but 
the people in my real day-to-day life at the time didn't encourage me, didn't support me. Um, Like my dad would openly laugh at my pictures in like a kind-hearted way. But Instagram, like having that little cheer squad in my pocket was so powerful. Just having strangers say, hey, this picture like and this caption really meant a lot to me or your work means a lot to me or you've inspired me. That is something so many of us are lacking. And so, yeah, I, I can't speak highly enough about the power of building that little community that you can take with you anywhere in the world and know that they're going to have you back when you need them. Yeah, it is. It is a beautiful thing. And we always laugh. We call this one summer that we spent um, the summer of Instagram. We traveled all over Europe and we stayed with people that I had met through Instagram the whole summer. I love that. Yeah. I bet your mom or your parents were like terrified. (laughs) They've gotten better with it now that it's kind of become my job and this is kind of what I do. And um, yeah, but it was terrifying at first, um, but now it is. It is such an amazing community. I, um, for a while, we used to have the ground floor of our house was kind of like a self-contained flat. So I I didn't want to Airbnb it because I didn't want that commitment. So I used to put it up on Instagram and say, come and swap something. So swap me like a piece of your artwork and you can come and stay in Yorkshire for a week. Um, oh. and so it was all internet strangers, people we'd never met before. And in one case, someone was coming from Australia and I was uh, we were out of the country for a wedding. Um, so I just left her a key, this girl I'd never met. And, <laughs> and I sent her a message like, please don't sell all my things. And uh, got up, you know, the next morning we got back and we had cups of tea together and it was amazing. But yeah, I think the suspicion people have about online friendships is, is slowly starting to move on because actually they can be just as deep and powerful as the friendships you make elsewhere in the world. Yes. And have you seen that meme that is going around right now? And it's, um, it's like a dating app and it's like, oh, this girl is so nice. She really wants to get to know me. And she's like, hey, tell me about yourself. What's your first pet's name? Your mother's maiden (laughs) name, the town you're born in, you know, like all the security questions. Like you guys, we can figure that out. (laughs) We're more savvy than that now. So this is something I say quite often, but I am old enough to remember meeting people pre-social media. God, that makes me sound so old, but like forums. (laughs) So I would meet people Mm -hmm. on the internet um, in like forums and we would know each other really well. We'd talk for a really long time and then eventually we'd meet in real life. And there always used to be this weird disconnect where I would meet them, but they didn't talk quite how I expected or they didn't look quite how I expected. And it would take a day or so to kind of map the two people back together When you meet people on Instagram, there is never that disconnect, or at least not in my experience, something about sharing those little squares, which we know are curated. We know people are picking the best moments. We know a lot of the time, like people are only showing one one element of their life, like their scrapbooking or, you know, just their kids or whatever, but you meet them and they're exactly how you expected them to be. Because I think there is something in that creating process that we put a little bit of ourselves into every picture or everything we create. And that's the person you're really connecting with, not everything else on the outside. That is such a great point. And I think Instagram is also such a public um, platform versus just being able to kind of type when you want. But with Instagram, you're right. When you're taking a picture of your work, your your house is also in the background. If you're going to get on and do a talking head story, we can see you, we can hear you. Um, it's harder to be fake for longer on Instagram. And we sniff that out, I think, 
Yeah, we have like people. a sense, don't we? You might not be able mm-hmm. to explain it to anyone else, but you just know that there's certain mm-hmm. people you're like, oh, I'm not too sure if that's like if she's really who she says she is. Yes. Yes, we do have a lot more of that, especially if you're sharing something in stories every day because, you know, that's very behind the scenes for people. You can figure that that kind of stuff out about who is genuine and who is who is not so quickly. And that's how you can make those super, super close connections with people and really feel like they're, they're you know, someone you want to know better because, yeah, because the, all the details of their life are right there. It's not just, it's not the thing that, you know, people like to say about Instagram that it's all curated and perfect. I don't, I really don't think that that's what it is. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. And so what are some tips that you have for people who want to make their Instagram more creative and inspiring and fulfilling and beautiful for other makers so that they can also so that they're putting off the right vibe, um, that they're attracting the right people and that they can share more beautifully? What, what tips do you have? So one of the first things um, I always tend to talk about, especially when I talk to makers and artists, is a lot of the time we can get super focused on the thing that we do and forget to show everything else. So, you know, for example, if you're a scrapbooker, you might only show the pages of your scrapbooks and forget every other part of your life that kind of goes on around it that comes together to make that finished result. And Instagram is the perfect place to be sharing that. So it could just be like, the crazy mess that's left on your table afterwards. Or it could be like the time you go out and take pictures specifically for something you're going to create. Or it could be the trip to the art store where you're buying like amazing colored pens. All of those different things that kind of go into whatever it is you're doing add so much story and connection and narrative. And it's super important. I know not everybody is going to be selling their work, but if you are, it's how people can understand the value of something that's been handmade versus something made in a shop. Like if you see a really nice rough looking mug in like Zara home on the surface, it's very difficult to understand why that's different in price to the one that was literally made by hand, but looks very similar. And Instagram is the place where you can showcase that by talking about the materials and how long it takes to make and the person that's actually got their hands on it and is making it a real thing. Another thing that I love to encourage people to put into their Instagram is a sense of value for their followers. Now, I need to be really careful here because it's not about people pleasing. It's not about trying to be what you want, what you think everyone else wants you to be. But it's very much about um, thinking about what is worth other people's time and what is going to make people want to come back and see more of your work. Um, And a lot of the time, that means sharing our knowledge, sharing our processes, sharing our learning so that other people can feel that connection with what we're going through and also actually grow alongside us. Um, It can be really simple things. So like it could be sharing a little technique that you use as like a quick video. It could be putting up a time lapse of like how you go through the whole process of your making. Uh, it could be talking about your crafts and your tools. I have a friend who's a children's book illustrator and some of her most popular posts are just her sharing the different nibs she uses for her dip pens and where she bought them. Um, but kind of that, it's not only beautiful, it's not only interesting, but it's also really valuable. It's something people are going to come back to. They might send to their friends, they might save it. And all of those metrics are really important if you're looking to reach your audience consistently and maybe grow to a bigger audience. 
I guess the final piece here uh, that is is really powerful if you're looking to engage your audience kind of strategically on Instagram is thinking about the aesthetics of your page. Um, so really simple things like I recommend downloading a planning app, something like um, Planoly. I use one called Mosaico. And what they allow you to do is kind of bulk up all your Instagram photos, gather them all together and think about how the next post or three or the next week's worth of posts are all going to sit side by side, just so that you can be strategic and mindful about where the colors go together, what kind of work sits side by side, whether you're kind of covering the breadth of all the different elements of what you do. Now, for some people that feels really wrong because it's not Insta. It's no longer Instagram if, you're, if you've already got the post a week in advance. And if for you, Instagram is a really instant place where you want to share from the moment, then that is not for you. And I completely understand. But what I find with a lot of people I talk to is actually it becomes another form of creativity. It's another creative outlet to actually like take all the jigsaw pieces of your story and figure out the most aesthetically pleasing, the most meaningful way of arranging them so that you can put them out into the world. And and that's when, you know, if you land on someone's page and you see the most beautiful, colorful gallery that kind of just draws you in and, and you can't you can't wait to click on all the different posts, that kind of feeling is created by thinking about what sits side by side and how they're all going to arrange themselves on the page. Yes, I completely agree. I, I think taking the photos of my artwork is almost as fun as making the artwork for me because I love setting up the supplies and getting the right light and getting the right angle. Um, and then, you know, figuring out what it's going to look good beside and how, how it's going to be complimented. And um, I do love that creative challenge. And I always tell people, um, because I teach a lot of, you know, photography classes around art, you know, every time, if you come to one of my art retreats, I will teach you how to take photos of your art because I cannot connect with you and support your artwork. If you take a dark, blurry, weird angled photo. Yes. So true. And, and that, yeah. that's the perfect example. Like if you can show me, you can show me your artwork on a plain table and that's all I can see. And that's one thing. If you can show me even more of a wide angle and you can show me like, oh, the table's in your kitchen and I can see like you've got some paintbrushes still by the side and I can see you've got a cup of tea. Like all of that story comes together to make me connect with that piece of art so much more. Yes, yes, it does. And, and so I hope people don't think, you know, oh, that's just a vanity thing that you're taking these like styled photos. Um, but you're right, it's part of storytelling. And also, I can't see your beautiful artwork if you're not taking good, clear pictures and wiping off your lens on your camera please you guys <laughs> yes. wipe off your lens oh my gosh yes um and and I think we have to let go of that kind of judgmental voice that it mm -hmm. does exist in the world because I always say to people well why are you showing up like why are you posting to Instagram unless you do want someone to see what you're doing and if that's your reason if you want to connect with other people then of course you want to make it as clear as possible like I use the example in my book it's the difference between writing your poem in black ink on white paper or writing it in yellow ink on white paper like it doesn't change the poem but one of those is going to be so much easier for people to read yes uh, that that is a perfect example um so can you tell us what one of your biggest creative successes has been recently Oh, yeah, let's think. So at the moment, I am running a class called 15 Minute Magic, which was born from 
over the summer last year, I went into a really deep period of burnout. I had no ideas. I didn't want to work. Like I got to this point where even opening my inbox, I would open an email and read it and then spend an hour trying to reply, but just not being able to force myself to do it. It's a really difficult time. And at the time I thought I would never come out the other side of it. But what kind of dug me out of that funk was getting really fascinated into our creative motivation. Like what motivates us to do something and what stops us from doing the things that we want to do. Um, and so eventually, kind of over the course of the month, I turned that into this program, which is for creative business owners. So it has a real business focus, but we take 15 minutes of action every day towards our goals. And those 15 minutes, I send them out. I have like prompts and I send them out into the world um, via WhatsApp and people take action on them. And it's it's the testimonials, like my husband helps me as an admin and he went into the uh, the community that we have the other day and he, he started to cry because the testimonials were so beautiful. Like people are having like a life-changing experience from doing this work together. And it just, like, I guess for many people that doesn't sound like creativity or maybe it sounds like business. It sounds like work, but the whole process of making this thing that didn't exist in the world and now it does and it's out there in people's lives making an impact, like that's creativity in its purest form. It doesn't matter whether it's something you would do in an art class or not. It's about making something that adds value to the world. And I will agree. I am in that class and it is definitely kicking me into gear. It is so fantastic. I cannot um, be excited enough with you for that, for that course. Um, okay. So this is my favorite new question that I've been asking people. Ooh, what okay. is your morning routine? So this is an interesting one as well, because until last summer in the burnout, I had zero morning routine. Like I had I just stumbled really mm. out of bed. And I think that was one of the factors that meant that when I kind of fell down, it was really hard to pick myself back up again. So now my morning routine is really structured. I wake up um, as my husband and my daughter leave for school because he drops her off. So I get to say goodbye and give her a kiss. And then I listen to podcasts like work related or kind of coaching mindset related podcasts while I get up and dressed. And then I do 15 minutes of Pilates um, and then I get to my desk and I light a scented candle and I get to work. Um, and I have, so I have kind of my morning routine and I have my workday startup ritual. And my workday startup ritual always starts with lighting a candle. I always burn one while I work and blow it out because I like measuring kind of how much work I've done by how far the candles burnt down. Um, no clocks, just candles. That's like my timepiece. And um, I also have a planner where I kind of set out my day, my day's intentions. And so I always start my working day with those two things too. Oh, I love it. You're like a pioneer with your candle. But I love it. <laughs> well, I found if I was clock watching, there was too much judgment attached. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe that's from coming from the nine to five work world where like, well, I have to spend this much time working on this today. Whereas the candle kind of is just approximate. I can be like, all right, I've done about half a candle's worth of work. Um, and also it kind of blowing it out means I'm finished and it means I can close my computer and move on. So it just kind of has a little bit of a ritual to it. I, I love that. And um, I was a social worker before this. And in one of multiple of my classes, they talked about, you know, taking care of our own mental health and, you know, we needed to have routines. And the candle was a um, example that one of my professors used. And it always stuck with me because it was 
it's so symbolic of blowing out a candle for some reason. It is yeah. is very important. Yes. And I, I was one of those people, like I had scented candles everywhere, but I never burnt them. You know, that thing when you're like, oh, I'll save it for something special. So now mm-hmm. I burn them every day. And the special thing is my day. And, and I really like that mindset. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, man. So speaking of, what does living a creative lifestyle look like for you? For me, it is the freedom to follow my creative whims and to build a life that only I could possibly build and that I love. And I feel so, like it blows my own mind when I look back at my life six years ago and what creativity has allowed me to create for myself. Um, I kind of look around at this amazing life that that we have and I realize that actually it's all down to trusting my creative instincts and it's all down to taking a pun on an idea I might have one night at 3 a.m. Oh, that is so beautiful. I have to remind myself that some days when I'm really down with the with this line of work that yeah. I get to build this amazing life and follow those creative whims when I want. Um, it's so important to remember that. It's like the hardest thing, but also the most amazing thing at the same time. Yes, yes. Um, so what is your favorite resource for creativity? Where do you go when you need inspiration? Um, so a lot of the time it, for me, it is music. I, I used to think that that was everybody and I would say it and nobody would nod. So I've since learned that most people don't go to music for inspiration if they're not musicians, but I totally do. Um, and also it used to be Instagram and I would say more and more now it's places like Pinterest and Reddit where the content is just a little bit different to what everyone else is seeing, because I think, we create what we consume. And so sometimes if you don't want to be making the same things everyone else is making, then you need to go where everyone else isn't hanging out. Um, yeah. And then just the conversations I have with people, with my audience, the struggles I see other people having, the solutions I see other people finding, all of that sparks so many ideas in my head. And that's where so many of the things I make come from. And do you have a like playlist that you listen to? You're like, these are my 10 songs that give me ideas or do you just turn the radio on? I just put my iPod on, my iPhone music app on shuffle and just whatever comes up, I'll trust that it's the right thing. Very nice. Um, so it is February, 2020. What can we be looking out for that is new with you? So, uh, Good question. (laughs) Um, So I am launching a new website very soon for myself, just a complete facelift, a bit of a brand refresh. It's been so long um, and I kind of forgot how awesome it feels. It's like putting a new dress on and going out into the world. I'm also having a custom learning platform built. So it's all kind of very techy stuff, but it's kind of the way I share my work with the world. So it feels really lovely to be making this new thing for myself. Um, 15 Minute Magic is going to be enrolling again in March and I am updating my biggest class, the Insta Retreat at the moment, adding a private podcast and some amazing workbooks and just lots of exciting things to make it the best it's ever been. Oh, awesome. You know, anytime I get an email that someone says, oh, my website got a facelift, go look at it. I always do because I think our branding, especially as creatives, that is such a like statement of this is who I am creatively in the world with these colors and these fonts. And I I love, I love things like that. I'm getting a brand refresh right now too. And it's, it's really fun. It's so fun. I have a question then. 
Do you find yourself wearing the same colors that are in your brand? Oh, 100%. I've noticed this about so many people. I do it too. (laughs) It's hilarious. When you meet someone, you're like, oh, you're dressed like your website. (laughs) Yes, I have found. So I'm in my early 30s now. Um, You know, things were kind of all over the place for me when I started this in my early 20s. It's been 10 years now. Um, But now my house, my clothing, my brand, everything are the same colors. It makes Instagram so much easier. <laughs> it does. It does. I mean, I've just figured out what I like and um, this is just what it is. So Yeah. Branding is so powerful. I love it. I, that's one of my real weaknesses on Pinterest. I could just lose hours just looking at other people's branding. Yes. Yes. It is very fun. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for being here. This was such an amazing conversation. I hope people are really excited to go dive into Instagram really mindfully and just get all of their creative mojo back up and start creating and sharing even more with the world. Um, where can people find you? So on Instagram, I'm still me and Orla. It's got uh, underscores and between me underscore and underscore Orla for complicated reasons that I can no longer change. Um, and everywhere else, I'm me and Orla. So me and Orla.co.uk and my podcast and book are called Hashtag Authentic. Yes, I now will say I have your book. It is beautiful to start with, but it is full of creative challenges. So if you want to um, dive a little deeper into how to use Instagram, but also how to use it creatively, um, Sarah has some really beautiful challenges for you so that you're kind of like on Instagram, but you don't have to be on Instagram to get some new um, challenges for your work. Thank you. That means a lot. You're so welcome. Well, thank you so much. And we will have all of the links to everything about Sarah in the show notes at lauren-likes.com slash podcast. And you can connect with her there. And thank you so much for listening and thank you for being here. And we will see you next week for another episode of How She Creates. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode and you want to know more, work with Sarah, dive deeper into the magic that is her creativity, she is hosting a course called 15 Minute Magic and it is opening up on April 1st and it is for creative business owners who struggle with procrastination and it is full of really tactical ways that are going to help you figure out why you're procrastinating, learn to beat that procrastination. And then every day you're going to get a um, prompt that is really simple for you to do that will move your business forward. And it, you can do it in 15 minutes. And it's not just a big idea, like do some marketing. She will show you specifically what you need to do. And all you have to do is set a timer and click the link and jump on it for 15 minutes. And I am personally in this program this year, and it is really rocking my world. I have been so consistent with it. And like I said, she just makes it so easy. And I have been getting a ton of really important stuff done for my business that I've been putting off because in my head, I thought it was like way too big or, you know, I needed all this time or all these other things to do it. Um, and it's just been a real game changer for me. So you can find all of that at her website at meandorla.com and sign up for 15 minute magic. And if you just visit meandorla.co.uk backslash magic that will take you directly to the site and again her website is meandorla.co and I hope you check it out and I will see you guys next week 
Thank you so much for listening to How She Creates. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to know more about the show, please visit lauren-likes.com slash podcast and be sure to sign up for the newsletter to know when new episodes are out and to stay up to date with all of the crafty creative happenings around here. If you would take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes, that would be so helpful to let me know what you thought of the show and share with all your friends on Instagram by tagging me at Lauren Likes blog and using the hashtag howshecreates. Until next week, I hope you get curious and go explore something. 